You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for September 19th, 2014. It's not safe for work. Recorded live and in awe that Scotland's voter turnout kicked our ass. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. had a national referendum on whether Montana should stay in the union or not, I think you'd get a much higher turnout Wanna nationwide. Want to bet? <laughs> well, I do. I think when it's something like that, I think we get higher. I think you get higher turnout. I'm not saying you'd get in the 90 percent uh-huh. range, but all I know is there's a lot of people who didn't vote for the prime minister in Scotland who are yes. voting this time because I, I, it's big publicity. I, uh, maybe a better analogy, because if I'm sitting there going, look, it's a Breaking Bad marathon or voting to keep fucking Montana. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, I can't miss this episode of Breaking Bad, even though I've seen it three times. It's so good. It's you got to see the whole good. thing in order. You got to see the magnets episode or, you know, you'll just you everything will fall apart if you don't see oh, it. I, I, don't worry. It, it, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> sure it work out. Somebody else will take care yeah. of it for my well, democracy for me. Well, and, and thank goodness in our democracy, our Congress is taking off the next seven weeks to this work to work on the problem of democracy by not doing anything about democracy. But they're abandoning their posts in advance of an election to convince you that they are worth holding those posts. Having spent five weeks on vacation already and have, having done nothing before that vacation because vacation was coming, it is... So embarrassing that this Congress of ours is so fucked up. Um, and, you know, I, I look at Scotland, I see people who actually care uh, whether or not their government works and who, and who are apparently weighing the pros and cons of what happens and, and, and what, what are the, the liabilities and what are the assets? What are the, you know, what are the goods and bads in this election? And they're going to the polls to decide. And I, I really, I can't imagine... Um, this country taking that level of interest in, in reforming their basic institutions of government. Uh, we just abandon them. We just walk away from them because they don't work. Um, and we don't stop caring about the fact that Congress stopped working a couple of years ago, just stopped working. One of our three branches of government has simply ceased to function. And the only thing it does is to rouse itself to action is to bitch when the president of the United States tries to do their job for them. That's it. That's all they do. All they do is grumble about government. They are the government. Do nothing. Commit sabotage. And then complain and threaten impeachment when one of the other branches of government tries to step in and and save the country from their inaction. And I really think the people who put them in office, I'm referring, of course, to the Republican Party. There's some... And here's the other problem, Dirk Glass. Uh-huh. I believe that these Republican congressmen in particular feel that their constituents are idiots. Oh, yeah. That's I want to talk. I, I, that's we where totally, we agree. We, we totally agree. I, 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 oh, yeah. No, I completely I, I understand very much that Congress, the elected representatives, know that their their constituents are basically morons. OK, Rodney Dangerfield. No, not Rodney Dangerfield. Davis. Our Congressman Ron, Rodney Davis. Thank you. This, These two sentences. I'm just going to read two sentences. Okay. 
They're on, but they're on his website under the healthcare tab. Mm-hmm. Cause he's such an innovator. Okay. Yes. This is, I'm not making this up. This is on his website. He is using the internet to communicate with the yes, young people, blue with gal. Young people. Okay. And I, I looked this up because he sent us a postcard about his sponsorship of house resolution five, three, eight, four. And I'll explain that in a minute, but I want to read these two sentences from his website under the tab healthcare. Okay. I'm listening very carefully. Number one, here's sentence number one. I have voted to repeal the Affordable Care Act because I believe this 2,700-page law raises more questions and problems than providing answers. Uh Second sentence. By repealing this law, we can begin to build on some of the good provisions in the law. Yeah. (laughs) You know that Rodney Davis... Like, that Rodney Davis makes a lot of sense, you know. Like covering pre-existing conditions and allowing yeah. young adults to stay on their parents' insurance until the age of 26. That's good. I, I like that. I'll Did you get that? that? By repealing this law, yeah. we can begin to build on some of the good provisions in the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I look. I looked this up because um, HR 5384, he sent us a postcard about it as his constituents. Damn nice of them. Saying that he was very interested in passing this law he had introduced into the House of Representatives. I don't think, wait a minute, I don't think he trusts us to use the internet like he uses the internet. <laughs> so he has to send well, his paper. But I, I get it. He, he, wants he, to... want, he said in his postcard that he wanted to extend health plan coverage to dependent children in the individual and group market through the age of 26. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wait, that's With you. what Obamacare does. And I looked at that and I showed it to you. I said, wait. That's what Obamacare already does. No, Why no, is he introducing no, a bill no. that does this again? Because it doesn't have the stinky, the, the, the Negro on it. You know, <laughs> well, it and have then that. it turns out when you go to house.gov and look up HR 5384, which I have already transcended his expectations of what a constituent of his might actually do. Sir, we have a mouse click in sector three. <laughs> <laughs> What? What? <laughs> and it's not a senior citizen who's there by no, mistake, it's not sir. A senior citizen. I, I'm here to book a trip to uh, the Galapagos. <laughs> Am I in the right place? And no. I'm one of the people that's still on dial-up with yeah. AOL because oh God, yeah. Apparently, there's like how many? I'm gonna look that up. How many people are still on AOL? Because yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. Somebody should do that and then poll them th- for their politics. <laughs> Uh, but no, the the House bill that Rodney Davis has introduced uh-huh. has in its proviso at the very beginning, this bill is contingent upon repealing the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, yeah. And so they put it to committee. <laughs> they left it in committee. <laughs> well, and he's done what he needed to do, which was uh, appear to be a productive member. Right. Excuse me. 2.34 million people still subscribe to AOL's dial-up internet service. They are paying $20.86 a month. It is nothing but profit for AOL. They, it costs them nothing to keep those No, I'm kicking myself. I didn't cut myself in on that, a slice of that. A years. slice of that AOL dial-up money. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know. So those are the people that want, they want the 26-year-old, so they're going to vote for that Rodney Davis. I like, I like that Rodney Davis fella, what he's of the 26 <laughs> and that, But that's been true for years. That's been, yeah. you know, right along, it's been. He's going to repeal the bill to promote the provisions of the bill that are good. Well, the, right <laughs> since since the beginning, if you take the Affordable Care Act and divide it, first of all, you just, if you just call it the Affordable Care Act, more people like it than Obamacare. 
Yeah. Because it, it, doesn't, right. again, it doesn't have that all that melanin, all that sticky melanin all over it. You don't like that. Mm-hmm. You might get that on you. It might want to marry your daughter. Right. So you don't want that. Don't want that. <laughs> and but then if you start disassembling it and say, what about this provision? What about? They love every single provision of it. But it's when you aggregate it together in in a bill that isn't a Republican bill. That's a the bill that has a uh, that that black guy in the White House on it. They hate it. Yeah. And it it is completely insane. I mean, it, it is it is these people are house plants. You have to understand they're absolutely brain dead zombies. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I, I and I I'm going to return to this theme over and over again as I have in the past. It is useless to reason with them. I, I have chased that rabbit down that hole too many times. There's always another excuse why they why what they just said actually makes sense if you understand the larger context. And mm-hmm. you can follow them right on and on and on and on. You know, the, the same people who think that labor unions should be destroyed um, don't understand the relationship between labor protection and the middle class. Yeah. The yeah. same people who, who are completely okay with getting rid of unions altogether yep. um, are the same people who can't understand why poor people are so lazy. Yeah, and and, and don't touch poverty, my Medicaid and the poverty and my Medicare. Poverty is right? a moral defect. You know, <laughs> yeah. th- their dream is a country made of of serfs and plutocrats. That's it. No except, class except when it comes to impoverishing themselves so that they can get on Medicaid, so great granny can go to the nursing home. Well, okay, I, I, right? I corrected. They, their dream is a country that has plutocrats, serfs, and conservative think tanks in the middle. Right. It explains to everyone <laughs> why the poor people are morally deficient. That, that is their own fault because they're lazy or they're black or they just don't want to work and so forth. And they really – and you can fucking pound these people in the head with a two-by-four until they're unconscious. And they will never see the connection between getting rid of jobs and driving down wages and more people being poor. Yep. They're just too fucking stupid to see it. And it's it's time we realize they're they're like a separate species. They're not functional as human beings in the voting sense. They're not competent. Citizens. They aren't competent voters. That's and that so, is absolutely true. I, I'm not willing to go as far as you to dehumanize them because I just don't like that. No, but. I think they're fine. They're, they 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 make great barbecue. They're lovely neighbors. They obey the speed limit. But but they're but when it comes to voting, when it comes to their their competence as civic citizens, they're simply. It, Subspecies. They're not. They're well, not... and speaking of that, let's segue into Clive Bundy. Yeah. Well, yeah, classic, classic. Everybody, example. everybody, everybody owes me something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clive and Bundy. Well, first, let's take a long break and talk about the Negro, shall we? Oh, no, let's not. Yeah. Clive and Bundy. Clive and Bundy. Here's what happened. Uh, guy was driving on the interstate. Or a lady. And a lady. There was a couple, uh-huh. apparently. Uh-huh. And some of uh, apparently Clive and Bundy's uh, freedom cows yeah, yeah. were uh, crossing the interstate. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's were they trespassing on state property or is that just freedom? Why did the freedom cow cross the road, Luke? Because <laughs> liberty. Because liberty and, and the uh, amendment was in there somewhere. I'm so sure. he tried to get around the cows and he actually uh, hit a cow. Uh-huh. And his car flipped over, uh-huh. or went down a ravine, and he broke several ribs. Bunch of cows in the road. Hit and the f- woman lost her ability. See, I'm trying to remember now what, like you say, what, how, who, who was involved. But the losses involved were loss of summer work uh-huh. and broken ribs and damage to the car. Yeah. 
from a cow that shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have been there. Uh huh. And uh, so now, th- now remember, let's remind everyone: Clive and Bundy is the octogenarian, senile, bigoted, welfare mooching conservative mm-hmm. who decided that he didn't have to pay grazing fees on federal lands for 20 years. And when the federales finally came to enforce the law, a bunch of his patriot friends who aren't black uh, decided the best way to deal with police was to wave guns in their face. Yep. Aim guns at sniper rifles at them. Right. You know, just like Michael Brown did. Oh, wait a minute. No, he was unarmed. Anyway, the, uh, this, this freedom loving American uh, who thinks that law enforcement is are jackbooted thugs and that's his right as a white man in America, goddammit, mm-hmm. to mooch off the government as much as he wants. And when someone comes to, to ask him to pay the bill, to shove a gun in their face and that their job is to back the fuck off because I'm Clive and goddamn Bundy. That guy was almost a Fox News host. Yeah. Dana Lash and Sean Hannity wrapped their legs around him and they humped, sure did. Him, humped him and humped him for all he was worth. Because sure he did. was he was great on camera, right up until he decided to get up and tell people about Negroes. Who could have told? Like? Who could have told Sean Hannity that was coming? That this guy was clearly in that camp, and he, here, and all of his all of his uh, his play warrior, yep. wannabe soldier, gun toting, tiny dicked friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Who could have told him every goddamn liberal in America yep. would have told him, yep. oh, no, this is what a, a conservative looks like. This is the interior life of your average conservative. That's what they look like. And so he, he true to form. It finally came out, as it always does. And so suddenly Clive and Bundy was an unperson. No mm-hmm. one's ever heard of Clive and Bundy. What are you talking about? Why, we never said any such thing. Well, here he is back in the news, and he's suing. Oh, he's being sued. He's being sued and for his having his cattle on... The interstate. Uh-huh. Well, he says that it's the state's responsibility to put keep the fences up. Not his job. Not, Not his my job. job. Not my job. It's the state's job. It's the government. And um, good luck. Uh, now, now, does he have liability insurance at all on his cattle? I have. I don't think he has anything on his cattle other than a <sighs> brand and a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he decided that this is going to be the insurance companies fighting this out. It's not going to I mean, even if Clive Bundy says it's not my job to pay. Right. If he doesn't have liability insurance on his cattle, Uh of course, he wants to counter sue that they hurt his cow. What happens when they come to collect? I agree with you. Uh, Are they going to get shot? All those freedom-loving lunatics with uh, a lo- way too much spare time who think the, sec- the second American revolution almost started today. <laughs> second revolution's coming. All the people, they'll, they'll unpack their gas and flags and their little hats and their, and their it's, sniper It's rifle. all about Clive and Bunny not having to pay for anything. Yeah, Clive That's and Bunny's an old is. white bigot who thinks he shouldn't have to pay for a pay goddamn for thing yep. because he's goddamn Clive and Bunny. And that, in one sentence, is conservatism <laughs> in this country. And so, you know, I, I would love it if... Um, and I'm sure Clyburn Bundy cooks a mean steak yep. and probably oh, yeah. pays a, p- plays a wicked fiddle. And he might have many other good neighborly habits. But as a citizen, he is completely incompetent to perform the basic roles of a grown-up. He is a child. He is defective as a citizen and should not be counted as someone who has any right to say anything about anything and be taken seriously. He should be able to say whatever the hell he wants. But any, the first person who points a camera at these people or a cluster of them crowded around Sarah Palin in some Motel 6 lobby 
uh, and says that we should take them seriously. Who should lend, who, the, people, the first person who lends them airtime, that person, that's the problem. Because there's always going to be ignorant mobs around out there. It's when you decide that your political fortune depends on feeding them propaganda, tossing them red meat, and harvesting their votes. And making them dumber and dumber and angrier and dumber every generation. That's your business plan for your political party. Eventually, you end up with a Congress that doesn't have to do anything. Right, right. Because their their constituents are houseplants. Anyway, on that so, cheery note, <laughs> I, have we mentioned that this is our 250th No, we haven't podcast? mentioned that this is our 250th podcast. And thank you to all of you for listening and supporting us. Those of you who send us donations, those of you... Those of you, I would especially like to thank those of you who send five bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, you're our bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, and and we've gotten a couple of extraordinarily generous uh, contributions in the past month to help out with our basement. And we have bad news now all of a sudden about your car. Yeah. We thought it was good news last week. We, we did. We're not lying. We thought it was salvageable. No, no the, the the good people who looked it over said... Eh, it looks like it. It'll, it's going to smell for a while. It's going to dry out. But uh, no, they 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 put the pennies on that that old beast's eyes and said, nope, nope, it's uh, it's it's total. It's gone. It's total. It's, so and the difference you're shopping between, for a new car and it's kind of a hassle. Well, we, <laughs> not a new car, a used car. A used car. We've already expended our meager car budget for the next five years. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we, I don't know if we even ever mentioned that on the podcast. We've talked many times about needing a new van. Yeah. And over Easter weekend, we found one, a used van that was in our price range that worked out very well. And so we have, instead of a 10-year-old car, we have a 2-year-old car now for the family. A tremendous sense of relief that yeah. you know, the kids don't actually have to hang on the running boards. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it just, it's, yeah, it, it's not, the, the newer one does not make the weird noises that I'm afraid something is either going to fall off. Or it's just going to die. I, I I have confidence that I'll be able to get to and from school and grandma's house and all those good places. So yep, yep. that's wonderful. So, but now you need to replace your car because you need to go to work. And that suddenly and um yeah that suddenly had to be um a thing. Yeah. Um that was that was one of those unanticipated. Literally, the difference between having a car and not having a car was twenty feet. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, just twenty feet, and and it and it was a fluke, and it was uh, one of those things that nobody planned for, and so um, <laughs> I'm. I don't I'm, call it an act of God. It's no. climate change. It, well, <laughs> it was a very hard, fast rain. Hard, hard, fast rain that uh, flooded your car. It yeah. flooded the street. Flooded every everything. Yeah. It's it's quite. It was quite epic. Um, but uh, it's been kind of stressful <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, and this is this is more inside baseball than anybody wants to know. But um, you know, we operate on a very thin budget here. Yes, we do. Um, and suddenly, there's a whole lot of. And this is not a fundraiser. This is just sort of. This is this is what we're doing. This is what our lives are like. And and so it's been really logistically tricky to try to manage my um, uh, daily commitments, which have grown. Um, kids in school. Um, and the, the sort of keeping the household budget under budget. And then mm -hmm. there's this sudden thing that both messes up my ability to meet my responsibilities and is suddenly like, Jesus, really? Man, that's right. a hole I didn't need. Right. So, um, but it's not, I mean, on the upside, we are really lucky. We are. We are incredible. I mean, it, let us not let the moment pass. Um, we love this. doing this podcast. We We've done 250 podcast. episodes. It's fun. 
Um, we hear back from great people. We hear back from awesome people. And generally speaking, just as speaking as privileged white people living in America in 2014, we're really lucky. I mean, we our kids are are, are fed and sleeping, and they're going to school tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they're going to be safe, and we're and, you know, we're able to take care of our healthcare needs, and on and on and on. Yeah. So we are like as 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 close to the um, pointy rocks as we are, and as scary it is sometimes, we are incredibly lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. when all things considered. So let's... <laughs> we've come a very long way. I, yeah. I will say we've come a very long way. We've come, well, come when I think about how poor we were the day we got married, yeah. <laughs> which was only three years ago, but... Well, and we're... I got married in a $25 sundress. And you look gorgeous. I look great. And my, my knitting group at church bought us a night in a B&B, uh-huh. one night in a B&B, and took care of the kids yeah. for the one best, night. Best honeymoon I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really was. But and, no, so uh, far, so good. And So far, so good. And we are learning to live in the um, shadow of the Great Recession, Yeah. Um, where priorities have changed a lot and economic realities have changed a yeah. lot. Pardon us chit-chatting, but this is... This is episode 250, so do indulge us. Looking for the title for my car, which you know had gone the, the way of the birds, um, I, I was looking through some old papers, and I was looking through like old bank statements and bank balances and going, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, remember, I remember when I had zeros after that number. That's, oh, yeah, that was nice. Yeah. That's good. And I also didn't, yeah. I, honestly, I didn't fundraise in those days either. No, you I did uh, I didn't, did. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't conduct a fundraiser. Uh, well, until... you worked, you worked in an outfit where you would have had to report that income. Yes. As in outside income. And yes. that, that, was, would, that would, that would have gotten you fired. Oh, instantly. That would, <laughs> instantly. that would have, yeah. that would have cost me my job in a heartbeat. But I also didn't think it was, um, um, I just, it didn't, it wasn't, didn't seem right to me to fundraise while I had a job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while I had a, you know, a real, like full-time job was paying all my bills and I was doing, I was doing, I, yeah, I could contribute right. to bloggers. I was one of the people that wrote checks to people. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, it, it just didn't seem, didn't fit. Um, and now it's, <laughs> things have changed, but um, I, it's, it's really important. And I don't know if, if you want to take a larger lesson from this um, as we look down the road, three months and three years and, and however long you want to look to, to just remember to stop every now and then, and count your blessings, or count whatever it is you count if you're if you're not a if you're an atheist. But remember how lucky you are. Remember how incredibly remember all the good are. things you have. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, the technology exists for me to sit in a little room twenty feet away from you um, that you can buy off the shelf to to make this thing mm-hmm. and broadcast it in a way that's relatively free. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really cost anything. It costs our time, which I think is important. We do a lot of research for this, believe it or not. We do. We do. Um, and Blue Gal is a very good sound editor, so she makes uh, my ramblings uh, intelligible every week. But you know, the idea that we can do this—that mm-hmm. this is something that and talk to all of you, do, talk to everybody out there who amazing. wants to listen. Yep, it's amazing. So let's okay. Now that we've, now we've celebrated enough of the glorious age of wonders we live in, Blue Gal. <laughs> let's get back to the shitty world around us, shall we? <laughs> Congress is on vacation. Yeah, and you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to kind of finish up here because it's almost ten. Oh, there's um, so much more to talk about, Blue. No, we're going to talk about. I want. I want you to get to the to the most eye-rolling news of the week. Well, okay. I'll, Is that all I'll, right? That's a deal if you let me mention Chad Chad Grimm. 
Go ahead and mention Chad Graham, okay. and then uh, we have to talk about that eye-rolling news. Local politics. Um, lo yeah, local politics. It's Illinois politics. We have two people running for the Senate in Illinois, uh, obviously. Bruce Rauner, who's a Republican, and uh, Pat Quinn, who's the incumbent Democrat. And it's you know, a relatively close race. It's you know it's it's going back and forth. Um, I think that there's a much greater chance that Quinn will win than there was before people started to get to know Bruce Rauner. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, he, is, he has run a uh, really good campaign if you're only running for the head of the Chamber of Commerce in one of the Collar counties. Yeah. I mean, he, he is Mitt Romney, and he, he's got the money of Mitt Romney yeah. and the intelligence and charm. Of Spiro Agnew. Of Spiro Agnew. Yeah. yeah really. <laughs> and um, he, he really I does. I was going to say Scott Walker, but yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You know, a little shout out to the uh, old, school. old school. And if you're running for the head of the Libertarian Party or the head of the Republican Party in one of the extremely conservative counties in this. Or if you want Rince Priebus's old job. Yeah, you, yeah. Th he's doing a great job. He's he's yeah. right. He's running right for that job. But if you want to be governor of Illinois, you really can't, you know, be saying the shit he's been saying. So it's a lot closer than I think Republicans thought it would be, given the fact that nobody loves Pat Quinn. And that, no, the and, yeah. and that the budget here is screwed up and that Illinois is broke and it's gotten somewhat better. But it's it, we're taking a hit right now. The city of Chicago and the city of Illinois are taking a big hit for really um, poor political decisions and budget decisions made by lots of politicians in both parties. I'll be I'll be honest about that for the last 25 years. And now it's all come and do. Oh, all the all the shit that we said we would pay for in your retirement yeah. in exchange for your labor. Those people are retiring now. So now it's a crisis. And and it's a crisis in lots of other states, too. Yeah. Just it it has we have a Democratic legislature that is highly gerrymandered and run not by the governor. The governor doesn't have a lot of say in the Democratic legislature, even though he's a Democrat. And uh, they just keep they just have no problem kicking the can down the road no. when when there's no more road. And, That's and, the point. And I've said on a few podcasts, and I'm just sure I haven't said it often enough, I there are Republicans who I will vote for at a state level, at yep. a local level. I have voted for Green candidates at a local level. I voted for a Libertarian at a local level. It's at the national level that it's a disaster to keep handing Republicans power. It is an absolute disaster. Illinois is a good case for being very careful about who you vote for because there are Democrats in this state who are absolutely corrupt, machine-driven politicians who have no business holding office, and they've been holding office for 30 years. So believe me, I I lived in Chicago for a quarter of a century. You do not need to convince me of of the uh, of the evils of machine politics and how really incredibly incompetent, awful people can be put into power because they know the right people or they're on the clout list or they're friends of friends. And that machine just rolls merrily on, sucking in money and, and cranking out votes. So that said, um, there's a third candidate in in the Illinois governor's race, the gubernatorial race. And his name is Chad Grimm. And the reason I want to mention him is uh, one of the two major political parties. He's a libertarian, mind you. And, and I'll give you I'll give you his uh, a thumbnail sketch of his uh, his platform because I went over to his site a little while ago. And he is uh, he wants to end the war on guns. Because there's not enough guns in this country, and too many people don't have guns. So he thinks that all this, it, it, the only thing that is keeping us safe is an armed public. So he wants to end the war on guns. He wants to end the Illinois income tax. He wants to end the state income tax. Um, he wants to turn us into Kansas. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and he's uh, he, he loves liberty. So 
Now, guess which party is suing to have his ass knocked off the ballot? Because he's polling at 5%. And 5% really, yes, the Republican Republican. Party. Because every fucking libertarian is a Republican at heart. There might be a few purists out there. There might be a few people who are are, uh, libertarian from birth. But libertarians in this day and age, in a utilitarian way, are nothing but Republicans who think the Republican Party isn't conservative enough? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's and this that and that's where the third way <laughs> centrist both siders. There's this entire population that's so fucking cowardly, so terrified of, of acknowledging that one party is weak and feckless and one party is insane. Mm-hmm. Because then, then then there'd be this moral burden to picking between the two. So they have to invent all of these labels for things so they don't have to call things by their true name. So the GOP is trying to get the libertarian off the ticket because the people who are going to vote for him are the people who who would naturally vote Republican. Cut taxes? You like guns? I think I can get down with that program. Those are straight-up Republican propositions, and all he's doing is siphoning off enough votes to make it a close race. So... The next person who identifies themselves as a libertarian, you know, he literally is the Republican who wants to smoke pot. That's yep. all he is and, yep. all he, and all he ever was. So yep. that's why I wanted to bring it up. It's in local news today. College news, I, we'll save till next time. We'll save till next time because I want to uh, finish up. Although it's really good. I'm just we'll, saying. We'll, uh, we'll talk about college next week. A teaser for 251. It's really good. And now let's talk about. I got to say this with a straight face. If it's Sunday, it must be no labels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. So here. So here's a problem. Here's the thing that we could. Everyone could have predicted. Everyone needs to take. This is a problem to be done at the board in front of the rest of the class. So. Okay. All go, right. Go to the chalkboard, and I want you to draw a line down the middle of the chalkboard. <clears throat> and and I want you to decide which of these is more jaw-droppingly repulsive. Okay. Number one on the left, David Brooks using his New York Times column mm-hmm. to bitch that government dysfunction, yeah. apparently caused by our faith in the internet, although I can't really figure out what his argument was, apparent bitching that government dysfunction... You mean act- you mean all the mess in Washington? Is that what all you're the, talking about? It, it, government doesn't function. Uh, basic institutions aren't working anymore. No one knows why. Apparently it has something to do with the internet. But <laughs> we're not sure. Uh, it, it's We believe in disruptors. You know, we believe in capitalist disruptors, people who go in there and shake the system up. And what we don't realize is that we have let the basic institutions of government, the boring, old ministries of health and so forth, rot. And we actually need them. And now we have like jihadists and Ebola that are knocking at our door and there's nobody to fight them because everybody's off being uh, an entrepreneur and nobody wants to sit in a government office and worry about concrete and the cost of building bridges. David Brooks, lifelong Republican, lifelong conservative, writing in the New York Times, bitching that somebody broke the government, we're not sure who, and there, it, that's, it, it certainly seems to be a problem, and he really wishes somebody would do something about that. Wow. Or, okay, so that's jaw-dropping. That's yeah. number one. Or number two, David Gregory, the other David, who uh, you might remember doesn't have a job anymore, but he does. Apparently, he's just skipping around the country taking speaking engagements, and his latest one is headlining a, wait for it, wait for it, 
a no labels event. Yes, your <laughs> least favorite human being. I I could have predicted that. Oh, I'm sure I could we have did. predicted that. I'm yes, because sure it, it was so obvious. Um, yes, and what is he bitching about at the no labels event? About how lazy the media has become. <laughs> and what a sh- we wait, we have a winner. We have a winner. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame that the media just passively promotes what the conventional oh, no. Washington oh, no. wisdom is, oh, no. as opposed to doing its job and getting in there and looking at stuff? And and you just, I, I have a feeling that nobody in the audience had a nail gun. <laughs> That's right. I have a feeling you're right. And and would hold his hand to the table and just keep putting <laughs> nails through his palm until he, okay, you're right. I'm the problem. But the idea that this delusional vanity organization full of political hacks and losers devoted to the premise that we will not mention the fact that Republicans are the problem. Those people over there, right there, the ones sitting right there, they're the fucking problem. If those people were gone, problem gone. We can fight about other things, taxes and, and government, all those other things, but as long as they are there, nothing gets done. The idea that an organization devoted to pretending that, that those people don't exist would hire the person who most res- was most responsible for putting hacks who propagated that lie on television for eight years to, to bitch about the fact that media doesn't do its job is so perfect, is such a complete collision of absolute cluelessness. And I'm, I'm not even sure if it is clueless. I don't know if he's trolling us or not. Yeah. I, I really, I've, ne- I've never seen David Gregory interviewed as a human anywhere. And I've never, obviously, no one's ever asked him the question, but aren't you the problem? Um, they're, they're, and, and here's the difference. One person, as I've mentioned a million times, did ask that question of David Brooks once upon a time. Um, the only time anyone I know has ever asked David Brooks, don't you feel responsible for the terrible shit you said when Bush was president about people who opposed the war? And David Brooks, who was standing in a pulpit at the Hammerschmidt Chapel, lecturing on his favorite philosopher, Reinhold Niebuhr, on the, the importance of being modest and careful and challenging your own team and not jumping to conclusions, um, stood up and lied, just lied his ass off, lied to everyone in the audience, said, I never said those things. I don't think I ever said anything mean about anybody who opposed the war, and just lied about it. And that's how, he, that's how David Brooks lives with himself. He surrounds himself with people who will never call him out on his lies and when someone actually breaks through, when someone actually sneaks into the audience, who will ask one question of this lying douchebag, his answer is, oh, it never happened. Because no one's going to ever hold him to account because he's David Brooks. Same with David Gregory. David Gregory, no one will ever ask him a pointed question about his culpability. In the yeah, I just want, at this point, I don't even care what his culpability is. I just want to know why. Yeah, well. I do, I'm much more interested in why well, there was a guest on me on. Morning Joe. Who was it? Was it? um, Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Sachs. Jeffrey Sachs. On Morning Joe Uh actually mentioned Jonathan Capehart just holds up David Ah. Brooks and Charles Krauthammer. You know, this is what they said about ISIS and such and such. Uh And and Jeffrey Sachs just said, yeah, but David Brooks and Charles Krauthammer are always wrong. Right. And and behind him, you could hear Joe Scarborough say, wow. You know, just the poo Shitting filling the pants. shorts. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and poor you know, Jonathan Capehart, who I'm not going to call poor because he has a steady job on television, um, <laughs> apparently propping, propping up David Brooks. The poo was pouring out of various holes in them because he didn't just say, 
that David Brooks is wrong. He, he said, has there ever been anybody in the history of journalism, journalism who's, who's been, been more wrong more often than David 11 Brooks? 11 years, every single column about this Every is column. Go and correct. Don't be hesitant. It's all a great success. We won the war. Yeah. It's unbelievable that this is the person we're quoting. And however much I might disagree with him on anything else, mm-hmm. um, that is the truest thing I've heard on Morning Joe in years. Yep. Yep. And and the response was this really uncomfortable titter, followed by, well, I guess I don't have the title of being the wrongest person ever anymore. Yeah, yeah. Scarborough, had, so to, Scarborough had to cover up right away. And then away. we're going to go move on, people. Let's not right. look, look. Don't look too closely. But it is there is this weird field that surround these people, and you're not allowed to question them, and you're not allowed to point out that they're wrong, and you're not allowed to ask them in public embarrassing questions that they don't have the answer to. And uh, so, ergo, of course, David Gregory is going to be lecturing at no labels. Of mm-hmm. course, yeah. he is because they're they're perfect together. They're they're as empty and as vacuous. They're little pinatas made out of bumper stickers. Mm-hmm. Nothing on the inside except money. Nothing in the outside except lies. And for some reason, it's against the law to take a crack at him in public, uh, verbally, and ask for them a hard question. For some reason it is, and that's what I want to know. I want to know what it is. And I don't care anymore. It's it's too late to get back at David Brooks for being wrong for 11 years. It's and, just— and, and counting. And counting. He's never going to go away. Right. And so, so, and this is the this is the but, place. But we need. I need. I want to hold Micah to account for this. Yeah. Micah Brzezinski should tell us why is your show covering up for this douchebag? Right. And the answer is, oh, there. Have, have you seen the new diet? My <laughs> dad's. Well, and, and Manhattan women are freezing their eggs. Isn't it exciting? Yeah. And uh, somebody did a list of all the um, legacy hires on MSNBC, and it really is embarrassing. The number of people who are who are famous or who have an access to being hired by that network based on their famous parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's just appalling. It really is. Ju- it, it reminds me of the city of Chicago. Um, <laughs> it really is this inbred. If you're not a member, if you're not in the club, fuck you. It doesn't matter what you do. And if you are, if you're Ronan Farrow, it doesn't matter. We'll give you a show. Cause you know, you know, you know, Mia Farrow, your dad was probably Frank Sinatra. You want a show? Sure. sure. And, and Luke Russert is the, you know, is the, is the god emperor of this entire inbred, incestuous pile of incompetence uh, that MSNBC passes off as programming. And in between, like shot through there, like you know, corn in the poop, is occasionally you have a Rachel Maddow or a Chris Hayes or a Lawrence O'Donnell who are very good at what they do. Um, but all in all, it's just such an awful pile to go through. It's it's such a um, uh, they spend so much of their time living down the fact that this is their network, that it just, it bothers me. And speaking of no labels, would you like to hear a funny story about no labels? Yeah. And I, I tried to get this so we'd have audio of it, but it's on uh, Sirius XM and they don't post anything to the web that would allow you to share it. Oh, so I'm... that's a shame. So Kay Bailey Hutchison being interviewed by Ron Christie, just Ron Christie. On No Labels Radio on Sirius XM. Now, the punchline to this story is actually the opening line. What should be the punchline to any No Labels story? Republican apologist Ron Christie, who regularly takes to the pages of the Daily Beast, where he's paid to write really awful columns about how the real racists are liberals. He is just 
awful. Well, he's brought on to hardball every once in a while. Yeah. Well, to play devil's advocate. When when Michael Steele says, "I, I ain't gonna do that." I'm. I ain't gonna I ain't do. Gonna, that. I. I'm I, not gonna defend. I can't. This. I, I can't defend the Republicans on this one. Who can we Ron get? Christie oh, Ron will Christie. defend the Republicans. Yeah. And Michael Michael Steele, who also has a show on No Labels Radio. Yeah. So it's so appalling. let's face it. Ron Christie writes columns on the Daily Beast about Democrats being the real racist. Mm-hmm. And then he also is a co-founder of No Labels. Yeah, well, I'm not sure he's a co-founder, but he is certainly— No, he is a co-founder. Oh, I a looked co-founder? that up okay. today. He is, a, makes... he is on the, he's on the uh, co-foundership with John Huntsman. He, he was brought on board now, to remember, co-found No so, Labels. So No Labels is this nonpartisan, postpartisan, mm-hmm. everybody's equally to blame— Problem-solving, problem-solving, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, fig leaf for Republicans and blue dog Democrats who don't want to talk about the fact the Republican Party is fucking crazy. And so, and, and started the war. And, and started the war and based on lies. Yes, and, we're not going to talk about that. We want la, no labels. La, 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 okay. La, la, la. You know, who, I'm sorry, George. And now was... they're interviewing Kay Bailey Hutchison yeah. so, about immigration. So I'm driving. I'm driving around. <laughs> I'm driving around doing my thing, and, I, and on a Saturday or whatever. And I flipped to this thing, and it's Ron Christie. And, you, and John the reason Hunt- you have satellite radio in your car is because you're renting a car right now, and yes. the car rental's not covered by insurance. Yes. And but you're going to get a used car quickly because that's all completely. It's around. all under the under the water under the car, actually. Yes. So you're listening to um, Sirius XM, and you're listening to Ron Christie interview K. Bailey. Yes. Uh, so it, it's the Ron Christie and John Huntsman show. Mind you, so let's put one certifiably nuts Republican and one completely irrelevant Republican on a radio <laughs> show about let's not be partisan. Yes. And we're going to interview. And what can both sides agree upon about immigration? And John and John Huntsman ain't there. So it's just Ron Christie interviewing Republican Kay Bailey Hutchinson about immigration. And she says, you know, both sides can't agree that our borders are just not secure. Right. So we should be agreeing to spend to pass bills that spend lots of money on border security. And then we can work out the rest of it later. Because, you know, we can't get a bill that will pass both the Congress and the White House. Well, the reason is because one of the two parties in the Congress is out of its fucking mind. Yeah, and by the, the way, problem. Congress has gone on vacation now, Kay Bailey Hutchison, so but we you're talk, SOL anyway. We can't but, talk about any of that. None of no, that's on the table. That, what we that, really need to do is is more border security. Or, I okay. Think we, so we need to take the immigration bill, break it into parts, and all the parts <laughs> we can all agree with. I think we all agree with you need to spend a whole lot more money pouring uh, more guns and more armed people and more Against fences. Against the children on the border. Yes, yeah, that'll that's help. What we, really, we can all agree to that. Everybody can agree. And then we'll just you know debate the rest later. So that this is, again, this is the Republican, the lunatic Republican on the No Label Show, um, talking to the former Republican uh, with the other Republican not in the room on this premise that we don't want to have a partisan discussion about anything. All right. And no labels is a joke to begin with. But the mm-hmm. funny part, the really funny part, is that Kay Bailey Hutchison kept thinking that Ron Christie was Chris Christie. <laughs> Governor, I want you to know. Yeah, because uh, he can't correct her on the air. Oh. He can't say you're wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, think about the psychology of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to explain who you are to the person you are interviewing. Yeah. It's so demeaning. So mm-hmm. he has to pretend this didn't happen. Yeah. So she starts talking. He goes, well, Governor, thank you for having me on. And she talks <laughs> a little bit. Talks a little bit he talks for a little bit. And he goes, and and then she talks because she talks for a really long time. And he said, well, thank you. Thank you, uh, K. Bailey Hutchison. Uh, this is Ron Christie. 
uh, and uh, No Labels Radio. So, uh, Ron Christie, uh, I got a question for you. And uh, he gives her, he, he gives her this long, involved question. He goes, "Well, thank you, Governor. I really appreciate that question." And he, she, and and I'm looking forward to seeing you next month. And <laughs> just rolls right on past. She has no idea who this guy is. She has no idea that he's She's not. This little uh, lady on the front porch of the nursing home who yeah. can't can't see two feet in front of her to know. And her staff told her, "You're going to be interviewed by Christy, whoever Christy. that is, but, right?" But he did pause because he can't correct her in the middle of it. Right, right. I, I'm not, I'm not Governor Christie. Because really, I mean, how, yeah. how humiliating is that? But you know, let's, let's face it, you're barely Ron Christie at this point. Right. So, <laughs> so you can't stop and say, "I'm sorry." Actually, this did happen. To I me. have to have an identity here. Uh, I, I was supposed to be. This is this is that was supposed to be. Um, I was supposed to be principal for a day way back when. And oh, really? the, the, yeah, it was two of us. And the person, the other person was a famous Chicago bull, a famous retired. <laughs> and they kept asking me, are you that guy? <laughs> no, I'm not that guy. Cause you're so tall. Yeah, well, yeah. it just happened to be two of us and I never met him. He never showed, but it was, it was a little bit, you know, no, I'm not that guy. I'm this other guy and I'm, I'm equally entertaining. Look, I can do sock puppets. I can do shadow puppets. I'm, I'm very entertaining, oh, but Ron Christie can't stop. Kay Bailey Hutchinson in the middle of an interview no. and say, listen, lady, I'm low enough as it is. I'm hanging up on my nails. You can't go calling me governor. Do you know how stupid that makes me feel in front of all my no labels friends? Um, but doing it twice when he stops to uh, reintroduce himself and remind her that this is Ron Christie. And she's still, she's clearly not listening to him at all. No, she's, she's got her talking points and she's just going to read them off. The yep. microphone's in front of her. And that's, and that's how low down in, yeah. in, in, at the end of the gene pool, at the end of the radio podcast gene pool, no labels is. But th here's the thing. They have money. Yeah. And I was going to say, if you uh, are a subscriber to Sirius XM, oh, yeah. it is on the POTUS channel. And it is their show. It is the No Label show for um, the 13th, September 13th. Yeah. And it's the third segment. The second segment is with Candy Crowley. <laughs> <laughs> Who has done some nice things. Yes, she has. She okay. Has cost so presidency. The first segment that I listened to for a minute is all about Ron Christie and John Huntsman talking about, wow, it's fall already. And yeah. what an amazing summer. Yeah. Did you have an amazing summer? Oh, I had a wonderful summer. I went off and Ron Christie says, I went to Japan. Yeah, I went to Japan. <laughs> it was nice. They were nice to me there. Nobody called me a lunatic. Nobody I, called I me think John Huntsman had something to do with that. I just yeah. think he did. Yeah. Look, I'm just going to write you a check, okay? Yeah, but, go to Japan. But here's the thing. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. I am listening to this incredibly bad show. Yeah. Um, that oh, yeah. is the premise is wrong. The premise is completely bogus. The well, yeah, we are not are actually telling people to go and listen to no, it. No, no. But if you want to hear, if you don't believe us, the K. Bailey Hutchinson called Ron Christie governor. Twice. You can go hear it there. Twice. Yes. But yes. but here's the thing, and this is the point I, I want to make. Um, listening to that pod to that broadcast and a lot of broadcasts. I do listen to these shows. I, I do I sample them anyway. I, I get five minutes here and two minutes here. I listen to what Rush Limbaugh's lying about today and I do I do flip around a little bit. Um and having sampled the wares at the radio slash podcast table, I can say without fear of contradiction and no false pride, our show is way better. 
<laughs> well, an, thank you. An awful lot of shows out there. I know you're saying that to me to make me feel good. Oh, no, I'm, I'm saying that to you because, you know, you, this is basically just a conversation between the two of us. It is. About stuff and then a, a little bit of fine-tuning by me on a, a Friday morning. A lot of fine-tuning. A lot yeah, of fine-tuning. We make it work. Just the number of subjects covered, the degree to which the people involved actually know what they're talking about, the feedback we get from you guys, yeah. um, and just the, the quality of the conversation is so bad on some of these shows and you realize the only reason these guys are on the air is somebody is writing big fat checks to, checks to make the sure they get there right, they, right they're shoveling this shit onto the air because for vanity i mean i'm yeah. not saying there's no vanity in doing this show drift class oh there's but no labels is a, is a well-funded vanity project that's yeah. the difference well, it's a vanity project but it also has a really specific political agenda it does yeah which is they're rewriting history yep. rewriting history and and there's a lot of money David Brooks rewrites history every week. David Gregory rewrote history constantly. Yep. The, the, yep. the larger project, if you if you notice if you notice the details every day, that's great. But if you notice the larger conservative project and centrist project has been for the last twenty years to rewrite history as it's happening, to just make shit go away. Clive and Bundy never happened. George Bush was never president. Barack Obama caused the deficit. Barack Obama, we were one yeah. in Iraq. And and the constant, constant reiteration of lies, history updating every day, Ministry of Truth style process of, of eradicating the past. And you can see it reflected in your conservative friends and colleagues, the way that they just don't remember shit that happened. They're hand in glove with the propaganda machine. And and what comes out of their mouths is what is what Rush Limbaugh or... or um, or uh, Roger Ailes dreamed up yesterday. There's a direct pipeline uh, in the propaganda machine. And and the reason it works is uh, someone, many people are shoveling a shitload of money through this mm -hmm. process to mm -hmm. make sure that the radio is, ne there's never a moment in America where right-wing talk radio is not going all the time. There's yep. never a moment when the no labels, vanity, that there ain't no difference between the parties. Everybody's equally to blame. Let's find a practical solution in the middle using mostly Republican <laughs> ideas um, is not on the air somewhere. Yeah. And that's that's the difference. Liberals do this by um, by tin can and string and mm -hmm. by luck. Um, the number of uh, times that Rachel Maddow has been um, off the air, on the air, the number of times I've had to look around on Saturday morning to find Hal Sparks mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. is, is, is kind of fun because it's like an Easter egg hunt, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really sad. Where in the world is Hal Sparks this week? Yeah. Happy 250th episode. Happy 250th to you too, baby. I love you. I love All you right. too. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an internet kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's internet kitty is our very own. We haven't posted her before. Uh, her name is Zeppo, and she's your cat from Chicago. She is. She, she was born in the castle. She was. Up in Chicago. She was, under, under and... mysterious circumstances. <laughs> so I will tell you and... all about one day when you all buy me a beer. I mean, she's uh, an older cat, an older lady cat, mm -hmm. and she's had a wonderful transformation since she moved to Springfield. She has. It's... She, she started, I met, when I met her, she was certifiably insane. Yeah. Very uh, antisocial, hiding, uh, didn't like being around people very often. Didn't like being touched. Didn't all. like being touched at all. Yeah. And we brought her down here in a uh, carrier, a 
official cat carrier. Spacious. A spacious Spacious carrier. cat carrier. Uh-huh. And her mom rode in the back seat of the car outside the carrier, just walking around, just falling asleep. She was fine. Zeppo was catatonic. Zeppo yeah. was in a mental shutdown mode. Right. And terrorized mm-hmm. by being moved in this car. Mm-hmm. She came down. We let her out of the, and there were no other cats in the house. <clears throat> we let her out of the cage. Her mom was here. She, her mom was fine. Her mom ate and used the litter box and just moved right in. Yeah. Zeppo literally attempted to climb a wall to get out oh, yeah. she, of the building. She, she wouldn't, just she wouldn't leave the carrier for like a day. No. Yeah. And then we finally just sort of slid her out, and she ran under a table. Yep. And tried to burrow through a wall. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then climb up the wall. Yep. And um, she was just mentally a mess. And then she lived in the basement for about three or four weeks, I yeah, think. Yeah. Didn't see And it. I thought at that point we were just going to have a cat in the basement that just lived there. Yeah. And then the kids came home yeah. from their summer vacation. Yes. And treats and petting and voices and talking and... The middle child. Oh. And the middle child, the cat whisperer. <laughs> Who works miracles with cats. She does. Yeah. She really does. And? And uh, it Zeppo will now come out and meow to you to please pet me. Personally. <laughs> Who will sit up on your lap and put her paws on your chin and say, it's time to pet me now. Pet me now. Time to pet me now. Now, she's still not a pick-me-up cat. She won't be picked up. But uh, she will come in and ask for treats in the kitchen, and she will come and ask you to pet her and pat her and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think she's she's adjusted well to Barack Hussein, the Kenyan usurper who moved in after her mother passed away. Mm-hmm. And we're just so glad she lives with us. And we're yes. so glad that she overcame her dementia. She did. <laughs> and and Literally. let me just say, I can state with absolute conviction, she came out of the womb that way. Yeah, yeah. She was that was she had a litter. Because she was born in your house and you never abu- no. abused any of them. I no. mean, there was nothing different between her and her mom in terms of of treatment you know and and environment she had litter mates that eventually we adopted out but um um harpo and chico and and one of them was um as social as the day is long like walked out of the womb going how's it going yeah. Hey, I go, hey, no, 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 really, it's on me. Let's have a good time. Let's have a little party. And it was just social from jump. The other one was this sort of like adorable with Layla going, yeah. You oh, a little pet. gray kitty. Yes, it's you've shown me pictures. It's okay. You know, I'm realizing. And I'm just as cute. I'm really pretty. And you could like pet me if you want. And this, pretty. Third, and this third one who would <laughs> run under a chair and hiss and spit if yeah. anybody came within 50 feet of her. It was just incredible, and there was no. It was not. It, there was no environmental explanation no. for this mental state Except, that she was in. As as a vet once told me, uselessly, cats live in a different world than you and I. Yeah, and cats are weird. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, late in life, she completely transformed and is this completely different. And cat I do think life. that the environment of having the kids around made a difference. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can send your internet kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail dot com. Where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. So, Drift Glass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties are inspired that the United States Congress is taking a seven-week vacation 
after coming back from a five-week vacation. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2014, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. Minecraft is awesome. Now it's time for Science Fiction University with our science fiction expert, Jeff Glass. We have a very interesting Science Fiction University this week. It is from our friend Raymond, who sends us all the science fiction books. Oh, yes, Raymond. He has a number of questions about uh, cats in science fiction. Thank God. I thought he was going to quiz me on the books he sent, and I was going to say... No, these are about specific cats. Okay. And you have to name the cat. Oh, man. There are six cats, and uh, then there's one pop culture bonus if you want it. All right. Number one. I'll say in advance, one of them is Robert Heinlein. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying that right up front. One of the cat's names is Robert Heinlein? Nope. One of the the stories, one of the authors will be Robert Heinlein. Oh, well, I'm not asking for any authors. I'm asking for the names of the cats. Oh, crap. I don't care about Robert Heinlein. I just care about what what is the name of the cat. Did you hear yourself? You don't care about Robert (laughs) Heinlein. Do you even hear the words coming out of your mouth? No, I don't. Shame on you. All right. Hit me. Number one, the cat owned by Lieutenant Commander Data. Spot. Correct. Hmm. Number two, the cat looking for a door into summer. Oh, and yes, that is a Heinlein yes, story. Yes, it is. The name so of the, bite me. The name of the novel is Door into Summer. Um, Ulysses S. Grant. Pete. Okay, I was close. Number three, the cat that could walk through walls. Also Robert Heinlein. Also Robert Heinlein, bite me again. Yeah. Uh, Pete and repeat, right? Is that right? Is it repeat? No, it's Pixel. Pixel, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. That was his middle name. Pixel, Raymond just wrote, he ended up with Spider Robinson's Jake when they went to Florida. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Jake from uh, the uh, Callahan's Cross Time Saloon. All right. Yeah. He's a sharp dresser unless he's calling himself Dwayne Dibley. I don't know. The cat. His name is Cat from Red Dwarf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, which cat helped Gary Seven sabotage a rocket? Oh, it's the one that turned into the hot brunette chick in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, Isis. That's correct. Ah, ah. Which cat can really become human? And I'll give you a hint. Come on. I'll give you a hint. This cat belongs to Nanny Og. And I'll give you another hint. Nanny Og is a character from the Discworld series. Yeah, no, I have no idea. And the cat's name is Grebo. All right, Raymond, I got one for you. (laughs) Read read Ballad of Lost Samel. C-apostrophe-M-E-L-L. Yeah. Uh, by um, Cordwainer Smith, yeah. where, where uh, just you'll you'll thank me. <laughs> okay, that. here's your pop culture bonus. Uh-huh. Which cat has a friend that wishes for wings that work? This cat has a friend who wishes for wings that work. That sounds so familiar. The friend's name is Opus. Was. Is his, it, friend, his friend Opus wishes for wings that work. Is this um, a, car, a cartoon cat? Yes, it is. Okay. Is this a cat who likes lasagna? 
Ack. No, this isn't the cat that likes lasagna. Yes, it is. I, I deleted that one out of there because okay. I didn't think we needed to talk about Garfield. No. Um, Garfield is not friends with Opus either. No. It's Odie, I believe, Garfield is. Right. God, how do I know that? I know. Uh, I don't know. Well, Bill his friend cat. Opus. Bill the cat. That's right. It's Bill the Cat. Bill Very the cat. good. You how got you that? got it right out from underneath the wire there. Nine hints in the right direction. Thank you, Raymond, very much for sending those. That was fun, and that was a fun way to uh, do a tribute to cats this week. Tribute to cats on our 250th episode. Are we going to talk about uh, Minecraft now? I think we should. I think at Science Fiction University we should talk about Minecraft, but a lot of people brought up to me this week, you know, that Middle Child introduces the segment by saying... (gasps) Minecraft is awesome. Uh-huh. Minecraft got sold. The company that makes Minecraft, Mojang, yeah. was sold to Microsoft for billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. over $2 billion, $2.5, $2.7, something like that. Something like, some crazy a, amount a of money. A ton of money, yeah. And I don't know I don't know how to discuss this because my first thought was, oh, great. wow, we could feed a lot of hungry people with that money, yeah. and we're just amusing ourselves to death. Yeah. And then on a, a micro level, I think Middle Child has an awful lot of Doctor Who t-shirts in her drawer. She does. And I don't tell her that she ought to give those up and feed the hungry with them. True. But she wears them every day. <laughs> That's true. She wear, actually uses and wears them in rotation as oh, yeah. a form of keeping the weather off and a form of uh, group identification. She does. So. She does. And I'm sure that Microsoft is going to put all of their um, corporate muscle Behind the, although there's there's so many Minecraft T-shirts, there's so much marketing out there with Minecraft anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I I just I well, worry that we're amusing ourselves to death, all of us, at every level, whether it's with iPhones or with oh iPhones. buying at corporate corporate buying of huge companies. Just I will say this about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It's storytelling about without which we cannot survive. <laughs> Well, and Minecraft is building in creativity and yeah. very popular with children, and that's good. And we can do both. Yes, that's the thing. The thing is, we can do both. Okay. I got to remember that yeah. we can do both. And it is, it, and it is obscene that Microsoft paid over two billion dollars for a game, um, but they did. And hopefully, they're going to do exactly what I would do if I bought it, which is nothing. <laughs> yes. Leave it alone. Don't. Let's Touch it. Mm-hmm. We'll make it better. No, you won't. You never do. Let me ask you a uh, morality question. In science fiction university? No, yeah. Okay. Someone at church pointed out to me, was very uh-huh. excited the other day, to let me know that the Central Illinois Food Bank, uh-huh. which is a wonderful charity, raises money for the hungry. Uh, they are involved in a nationwide competition for uh, a contest to win a large amount of money to help feed the hungry. Okay. Okay. And you have to go online and vote for the Central Illinois Food Bank. And if yes. you vote for the, if you go online and vote for them, they're actually in the top twenty nationwide. Yep. I think they were 14th last when this person brought this up. To Actually, me. I heard about this as well. You heard about this today, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I heard about it through a completely different. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody's thing. talking about it yeah. because Central Illinois Food Bank feeds people in this community. Yep, a lot. where we live. A lot of people. Really important. Yep. 
And and then you've heard and you know who's sponsoring the contest. It's Walmart. Yep. And they want you to visit oh. your local Walmart store and show your support for yep. suppliers who've partnered with the Central Illinois Food Bank. Uh-huh. And I just kind of, at that point, inside my inside person was rolling my eyes and going, oh, brother. Yeah, I don't... I haven't set foot in a Walmart. I can't remember. Yeah. 2007, maybe. I don't, it's hard for me to remember. And I do remember an exchange with junior dude when we first moved here and we drove outside of town in a way that I hadn't gone before. And there was a Walmart and I said, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't always censor myself in front of my children. I should do that more, but (laughs) I just looked over and oh man, there are three Walmarts in this goddamn town. Uh-huh. And my son said, Mom, it's not a goddamn town. There are three goddamn Walmarts here. <laughs> <laughs> He's wise. The lad is wise. Yeah. And very civically minded. He yeah. loves Springfield, Illinois, very much. Yes. So <laughs> a fine mayor one day. He will make a fine mayor one day. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think? Question? Do you go to Do you go to Walmart and share on Facebook that you went to Walmart.com and voted for the Central Illinois Food Bank? Or well, I'm gonna here's how here's how I'm gonna cleverly avoid the question. Okay. Um, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I go in and I vote for them and I like them. If I if I operated on Facebook in any way, I would do that. Sure, I would. I would I would make a caveat going. I never shop there. Never going to shop there, but I'm going to vote for them. Um, and if they want to give a lot of food to hungry people, or they want to sponsor a big giveaway of money to hungry people, Put great. Solar panels on the roof of their buildings—that's right. all very good. Yep. Do all those things. I was there in a uh, sort of a, a different capacity in mm-hmm. uh, in in City Hall in Chicago, the day they had the big Walmart debate. Oh yeah. Because they didn't have Walmarts in downtown Chicago. Well, anyway. there, there were there were a couple of places they were trying to put Walmarts in, and first of all, it was a fascinating lesson because basically the the first term alderman who had said sure got mm-hmm. ripped a new one publicly by aldermen in adjoining wards. Oh, who said Sunny, and if I mean literally, almost literally, in front of everyone, said Sunny, this is not how we do shit in city council. Mm. You're gonna put a Walmart in your neighborhood, you have to clear it with us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not we don't play it, and and they really were talking to him like a child, you mm-hmm. like a little child. You don't mm-hmm. you understand? Here's how we do in city council, and it had been a long time since a big, big old Donnybrook in city council, so it was fun to watch. There were anti-Walmart activists and pro-Walmart, and it was a big, big deal. Um, and he learned a lesson that there's there's a public protocol, and then there's the informal protocol, mm-hmm. where you'd better go kiss the right rings of all the people, all the traffic that's going to be moving through their area, all the business that's going to get sucked out of their stores. You'd better clear it with them. You better you better sweeten the pot a little bit, or else uh, this is not going to pass. But the case that the Walmart people made was essentially – we're putting a Walmart in a food desert. Exactly. And all of yeah. you fucking liberals all of you out white, there. you white privileged liberals exactly. out there. You who... had 30 years to put in a goddamn store in this yeah. area, and you never did. Yep. So you know what? We're going to put a Walmart there. And mm-hmm. and now you're interested. Now you're indignant and outraged. Well, 
I'm sorry, but this means that the people in the neighborhood are going to get fresher food. Right. Really fresh, fresher food at lower prices than they pay at the, the, the rip the place that rips them off down the corner. Right. So if you were that fucking interested in the welfare of the people in this neighborhood, you would have put your money where your mouth is yep. two decades ago. And you right. didn't. Yeah, you yeah. let them rot. And now we're going to do what you never did. So shut up. And it's really hard to argue that that's a yeah. bad argument. Yep. Because frankly, uh, this was a complete failure of social policy. Uh, it, there could have been uh, a Costco there. There could have been an Aldi's. There could have been a lot of, there could have been a, a five or six grocery stores. There could have been a Whole Food. There could have been a lot of different stores. Could have been a mom and pop store. Could have been a co-op. But they decided that it wasn't, what for whatever reason, they didn't want to move into that neighborhood. Okay. that You left the marketplace to Walmart and they exploited it. And that's your fault. It wasn't theirs. And uh, so if, uh, if, you have to go into a Walmart or go online to vote, vote in a Walmart to get funding for a food bank. Do it. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it because we don't feed hungry people in this country. Yep, yep, yep. And the only thing we have left is they shoot horses, don't they? There's contests yeah. between causes Yeah. where you get yeah. to vote on which person. Because you're, what you're also doing is you're voting against every other cause. You're voting against Northern Illinois Food Bank. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah especially. Yeah. And, and yep. there's, there is enough for everyone. I'm not talking about nationalizing banks. I'm not talking about this. Now we are getting to the podcast, yeah. but that's okay. Well, that's okay. Uh, yeah. There is plenty of stuff that goes to waste in this country. There's plenty of crops that could be diverted from making ethanol or feeding cattle or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a way to feed people. We choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. We choose to, to make it poor, poor people are poor because they're morally defective. And ergo, um, it's not my problem or fault or whatever. It, it, feeding people is not my problem. So that leaves a lot of hungry people out there and a lot of organizations scrambling to fill the gap. And they used to fill it um, with more federal money than they have now. So now they have Mm -hmm. to beg hat in hand for money and they beg from Walmart because Walmart has money. Mm -hmm. So end of of my little. No, that's exactly right. Yep. And if anybody else wants to throw their uh, opinion in the ring, please write us at proleftpodcast at Mm gmail.com. This has been a special darkly political episode. <laughs> uh, well, not darkly. I don't think darkly. It's it's no. we're discussing issues and that it all kind of dovetails together and that's good. Yeah, Walmart is not yet soiling green, but it's getting there. See, I try to tie it back to a science fiction question. By the way, why not? Who wrote who wrote Soylent Green? Harry Harrison, make room, make room. Boom. Bonus question. 